You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Jets podcast for Wednesday, May 12th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from GangreenNation.com, and today our episode is brought to you by the Peacock and Williamson podcast. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On's Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Matt and Brian give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering all the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move around the league. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday on the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're doing that, subscribe to Locked On Jets wherever you get your podcasts as well. If you do that, we'll deliver new episodes to your device each morning as they are posted, as this is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today is our weekly mailbag. Thanks to everybody for sending in questions. Our first question comes from Luke. There's been a lot of debate recently about trading the two third round picks to get Elijah Vera Tucker at 14. People have spoken in generalities, but I wanted to throw out some specific player names to make things more concrete. The more I think about the trade-up, the more I think the Jets should have held firm at 23. Here are two example scenarios of what the Jets could have gotten if they had held firm at 23. Christian Derrissaw at 23, Wyatt Davis at 66, Elijah Molden at 86. In this scenario, Derrissaw replaces Fant at right tackle. Davis replaces Lewis at left guard, and Molden becomes the starting nickel corner. In scenario two, the Jets take Greg Newsom the second to 23, Wyatt Davis at 66, and Quinn Myers at 86. Newsom replaces Austin at corner in this scenario, while Davis and Myers become day one starters, replacing two of the three of Lewis McGovern or Van Roten at guard and center. In either scenario, I think the Jets could have come away with three potential new starters. I understand that everything is a projection, and there are no guarantees in the draft. I think it's all about playing the probabilities. Well, it's an interesting point, and I think that is it's kind of a compelling argument that Luke makes. That's essentially the argument against trading down, is that you get more players. Now, here's what I'll say. is I think sometimes in the NFL draft, you view players who play the same position as equals. And that's not always the case. You know, in this scenario, you may look at this and say, well, Derrissaw is a first-round offensive lineman, and Elijah Vera Tucker is a first-round offensive lineman. Therefore, they're equal. It doesn't always play out that way. I mean, I think back to 2015 when the Jets drafted Leonard Williams, and I remember there were some people I spoke with who were upset that the Jets had not drafted an offensive lineman. Well, the next offensive lineman to go off the board that year was Eric Flowers, who ended up being a total bust for the New York Giants. The offensive lineman who went off the board prior to the Jets pick was Brandon Scherf, who ended up being a Pro Bowl caliber guard. So in that case, you know, you had two offensive linemen, but the only way you were going to get a good offensive lineman in that situation was trading up for Scherf. You know, if you if you were in a mindset that you were going to get an offensive lineman, you would have taken Flowers and you would have, would have gotten a much worse player. So that's something to keep in mind. Another thing to keep in mind is that it's very unlikely you're going to find two day one quality starters on the offensive line third round picks just usually do not do not play in the nfl right off the bat and if they do play usually they're pretty bad so i I think maybe this is a situation where it's easy to talk yourself into believing that these third round picks were going to be better than they were 
I think when you have two third round picks, beating the spread means you you get one player out of that group, and it's not necessarily an immediate starter. Now, I think if you make that trade a hundred times, the team that gets 23, 66, and 86 wins more often than not, because there are scenarios where the player you get at 23 is just as good, if not better, than the guy you get at 14. There are also, in the NFL, numbers that show us that the teams that draft the best tend to be the teams that have the most picks. That's just the way it goes because the draft is so inexact. And I think one of the things is teams are frequently overconfident in the draft. You know, I, and I'm just throwing out random numbers here. I don't know that this is the exact ratio, but I get the feeling teams believe that they have like 70% of the info they need to draft players. And in reality, they probably have like 30% of the information that they need. So sometimes teams are just overconfident and that leads to bad moves. And when you when you don't have as much information as you need the more picks you have the better because the more opportunities to get to get get it right it's not so much about your batting average in the nfl draft i think people what people get wrong is they think well you need to hit on x percentage of your picks it's not so much the percentage it's that you need to get so many players each year it doesn't matter if you have 20 picks it doesn't matter if you have five picks if you go five for five you're batting a thousand if you have 20 picks and get five you know you're batting 250 but you've got you've essentially done the same thing. You've gotten the same number of quality players, and that's what it's about. So I think it's unknown whether this was the right trade or not. I think if you look at the value, purely what the Jets gave up, they gave up a lot. I mean, I don't think there's any way you can look at this value-wise and think that the Jets come out ahead, just purely in terms of the abstract value of the picks. The question is, how good is Vera Tucker? Because ultimately... There, I think there are like two aspects of this trade. There's just the value of the picks, and then there's the player you got. The value of the picks, Jets, you're never going to win making the type of trade the Jets made. But if the player is a Pro Bowl caliber player, it's worth it. And that's one of the things like I've seen in the fan base. I think that people, in many cases, view Derisaw as and, and Vera Tucker as similar talents. And I don't get the feeling that's how the Jets viewed it. And one of the biggest reasons I don't get the feeling the Jets viewed it that way is the fact the Jets made this trade immediately after the Chargers picked Rayshon Slater, because what that says to me is that once Slater was gone, the Jets only had one offensive lineman left in their top tier. And if they wanted to get that guy, they were going to have to move up because there was no way Vera Tucker was falling all the way to 23. So, I mean, ultimately, this comes down to the question of how good was Vera Tucker. If he's not a Pro Bowl caliber player... If he's not a guy who, who makes a big impact inside at the guard position, I think we're going to look back on this trade as a mistake. If he is that good, I don't think anybody's ever going to complain about giving up a couple of third round picks. You know, it's one of those things where I've seen people on both ends kind of overestimate or underestimate the value of third round picks. I mean, I've seen people defend the trade up by saying, well, they're just third round picks. And then I've seen people say, well, the Jets have given up, you know, Jets gave up a lot. You could, could have gotten a couple of starters. I don't know that they could have gotten up a couple of, I don't know that they could have gotten two two immediate starters with the third round picks. Those picks are valuable, but they're not that valuable. I think it all, ultimately it comes down to how good Vera Tucker is. 
Hey Jets fans, listen up. Eugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T text draft to 231231, this unique man-boosting formula is powered by testophen, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, text now and they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. Text DRAFT to 231231. That's DRAFT to 231231. Message and data rates may apply. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on our weekly Wednesday mailbag show. Our next question, doesn't it seem like every team had a great draft according to draft analysts? As much as I liked what the Jets did, how weary should we be of the pundits saying the Jets had a great draft because they seem to be saying everybody had a great draft? Well, through the years, one thing is clear. There is zero correlation between grades given immediately after the draft and success in the NFL. And... What that means is that you should not get overly excited if your team gets an A from some draft analysts immediately after the draft, because nobody really knows how good these guys are going to be. It's also true that you should not get too upset if your team gets a poor grade, because, again, sometimes a team gets a poor grade and it ends up being a great draft class. But the inverse is also true. Just because an analyst who is not very reliable gives your team an A, that doesn't mean your class is destined for failure. And the same goes, you know, bad analysts can give your team a bad grade and somehow get lucky. You know, there are situations where a bad analyst can be like the broken clock that's right twice a day. So I don't think it's necessarily a good omen or a bad omen. I just think that these draft grades are kind of silly. I mean, I think they're just done for the purposes of putting out content. Nobody really knows how good these guys are going to be. And, I mean, the other thing is, like, when you're drafting, there are, you're, you're drafting for your team. There are players who will be fits for your team who won't be fits for other team. And I doubt most of these draft analysts really understand the schemes of these teams, the, the locker rooms, the cultures of these teams at the level of detail that they really need to know to understand why the picks were made. So, I mean, should you, should you be worried that, analysts are saying the Jets had a great draft? No. Just understand that that doesn't necessarily mean that the Jets are destined for success with this 2021 draft class. Next question. Should the Jets run more four and five wide receiver sets this year, assuming limited injuries to our wide receivers? This would reduce the role of the tight end and presumably create at least one wide receiver defensive back mismatch each snap. Teams are prepared to play lots of nickel, but who actually has a good dime back or three capable coverage safeties? I think to an extent maybe you can because, you know, that is where the talent lies with this Jets team. It is at wide receiver. But, here, I mean, here's the thing, though. This offense, I think, is going to be built to rely on play action. I think a lot of the passing game is going to be built off play action. And you want to do that, especially with a rookie quarterback, because it simplifies the reads. And that makes it, I think, a little bit more difficult to load the field with wide receivers. Because if you're spreading the field, typically what you're doing is you're asking your quarterback to read the full field. You're asking him to make to do something kind of complex. And I think you want to take that element away from Zach Wilson this year. I think as much as possible, you want to keep things simple for him. And I think that means maybe tightening the formation a little bit. You know, even if even though it's not the, necessarily the strength personnel-wise. It gives. It, I think it will make life easier on Wilson to play with more with the tight end and run a lot of play action, get him on the move, and give him simple reads, give him 
pass it, give him route combinations that aren't super complex, give him, you know, maybe two, three man routes frequently. So, I mean, I actually, I think maybe you do it more than you, more than you would otherwise, but I don't think you'd make the turn this into like a four or a five wide receiver offense, because I think that kind of cuts against what would be in the best interest of the new quarterback, Zach Wilson. Next question, who are the sleepers of last year's draft and undrafted free agent class to step up in year two? Well, I think you have to look at Bryce Hall because increasingly it looks like he's going to be a starting cornerback for this team. I mean, unless the Jets sign two corners, I think Hall's a starter now. I think he would beat out Bless Austin for one of those two starting outside corner jobs. So that's a guy who that's a guy who really comes to mind. If the Jets had drafted a corner early, I feel like Hall might end up being a backup because you draft a corner early and you sign somebody then you're you're kind of in a position where you have enough guys to send Hall to the bench but you I, I don't it's unlike I think it's it's possible but unlikely the Jets are going to sign two corners which means that Hall's probably starting and it could show us could show you that the Jets are confident in Hall you know I know that they were very happy that he fell to them in the fifth round last year they thought they got a, a steal when they picked him you know another guy to watch could be Javelin Gidry because we don't really know what the plan is in the slot right now. I think if this season began today, there's a good chance Javelin Gidry would be starting. And I thought for an undrafted free agent, he showed a few decent signs last year when he played in place of Brian Poole. Um, is it cheating if I named the punter Braden Mann? I mean, you know, I know it's a punter, but he was a late-round pick last year, and he's obviously in line to once again have a starting role for this team. So, I mean, I'd like to see him improve this year. I, you know, I really wasn't super impressed by what he did last year. So, I mean, though, I think those would be the guys. Um, you know, I think you got, you have three, now, if you, now two if you don't count the punter, but, I mean, you have three guys who could end up playing pretty prominent roles for this team, and two of them are in the, the defensive backfield. You know, sometimes what happens is you get, like, one of these late-round guys, and a position that seemed like a weakness ends up not being so weak for you. And... To be honest with you, if the Jets are going to make it work on defense, that might need to happen. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. These are protein bars that taste like candy bars. There are so many delicious flavors. They're covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. And they're also healthy. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams net carbs. If you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15. It's one word with no space. L-O-C-K-E-D, number one, number five, for 15% off at BuiltBar. B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Mailbag Wednesday. Our next question. The Jets have a first-time head coach. They have a first-time offensive coordinator. They have young players at quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. Is it good to have a team with this much youth, or 
is there too much inexperience on this team? So I think in general, what the question is asking, would you rather have a lot of experience or would you rather have youth? And to be honest with you, I think it's kind of neutral. I think that there are pluses and minuses to both. I mean, in general, if you're asking me my ideal situation, I'd like to have a little a blend of both because I think with youth, especially when you're talking about coaches, it means that you're open to new ideas. I think some older coaches are kind of set in their ways and maybe they're not as willing to adapt to the NFL as guys who maybe just entered the league. So, you know, I, I like that aspect of youth. At the same time, you know, there is something to be said for experience because you know how to handle things correctly. You know, you see many times first times head coaches make rookie mistakes, just like players make rookie mistakes. So, I mean, in an ideal world, I'd like to have a little bit of a blend, but I think the Jets have kind of gone in one direction here. They've kind of gone, they've kind of gone in the youth direction, and I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. It all it always depends on the personalities you have. I think when you're talking about building a coaching staff, one of the mistakes people make is they focus on how big the names are. And this happened a couple of years ago when the Jets hired Greg Williams. You know, they had Adam Gase and they had Greg Williams. Not that people loved Adam Gase, but people thought that Greg Williams was going to work great with Gase and that you could have essentially Williams run the defense and Gase run the offense. And it really did not work that well because the two guys did not work. The two guys just did not have the right personalities to make it work together. You know, it's, it's more about the fit than it is how big your name is. And when you have younger guys, sometimes they come with less of an ego. They're more willing to be collaborative. So, and I'm really speaking in generalities here. I mean, I don't think that there's any, real answer i guess if you're talking about coaching wise i'd prefer if i have to choose i might go with youth just because again the league is changing so much that i want somebody who's on the cutting edge you know these schemes over the last 15 years there's been so much evolution in the nfl teams are constantly coming up with new concepts especially on the offensive side of the ball so i like the idea of having someone young someone who's open to new things someone who's looking to explore looking to find the cutting edge of course that doesn't that's not specifically limited to young guys Andy reads about as cutting edge of an offensive coach as you can have and he's as experienced as possible so you know you can't paint with you can't speak too broadly on matters like this um, you know as far as the players go I think you always want to have youth I think you know if you're talking about do you want a young team or an experienced team I think in the NFL today you always want a young team because players don't age well in this league for the most part and young players are less expensive you know when you have a lot of guys on their rookie contracts contributing it's better for your team so i kind of lean more towards youth but it always depends on the specific guys you're talking about next question who do you think will have the better 2021 season statistically speaking zach wilson or sam darnold just on the numbers mind you and no grading on a curve for wilson well, I'll tell you, it should be Sam Darnold because Darnold is entering year four and the issues he had with the Jets are not really there in Carolina because he's got a lot of talent surrounding him at the skill positions and he's got a good offensive coordinator in Joe Brady. So a fourth year quarterback should be better than a rookie. So I, that would be you know, that would be my guess. But I mean, it depends on whether Darnold can actually take advantage of that. So. What I'll say is that if Darnold has a better season than Wilson, it's not necessarily that big of a deal because there were other factors that went into the pick, and you're all, you're comparing a year four quarterback versus a rookie quarterback, so they, it should be Darnold. You know whether it will be, not entirely sure. 
Last question, which side of the ball will have a better season, the offense or the defense? Before the draft, I was leaning, leaning towards the defense, but after the draft, I may go to, to the offense since we improve the offensive line and have so many exciting skill position players. Well, it's amazing to say this when you're talking about the New York Jets, but I actually am expecting the offense to be better, and I'll tell you why. The defense has a pretty glaring hole, and that's at corner. And that's not a spot where you want to have a hole. And I know people can say, well, the pass rush helps cover for a lack of corners. But the thing is, the inverse is true. When you don't have good corners, that hurts the pass rush because that means the quarterback can get the ball out quickly. So I do think that the, the pass rush can help. The, and by the, this is not like the best pass rush in the NFL. This is, I think this is a pretty good pass rush that the Jets have put together. I think there's still like one pass rusher away from this being like the kind of elite pass rush that can really cover for bad corners. But there's only so much you can do to... to hide corners when you don't have any so i think that there's a glaring hole on defense where on offense i don't know that there is a glaring hole i mean i know the offensive line still needs a few more pieces but if vera tucker is as good as advertised if he's a true plug and play guy who's going to be able to play left guard effectively i think that makes a big difference on the offensive line and as you said i mean they've added a lot of skill players i mean this this skill group is really starting to look pretty good so I, I'm going with the offense. I think the off. I don't see a glaring need on the. I don't see a glaring hole on the offense right now. I do on the defense. So this could be you know how many times have we went into the season expecting the offense to be better than the, the defense? Not often, but that's where I'm at right now. That's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.